The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I mean, what do you take out of it is the fact that um, this is not the NCAA tournament. <clears throat> it's the first, first team to four wins. And uh, we have an opportunity to go home and play great basketball and home serve. Um, so, um, you know, until the team beats you, uh, four times, then you always have an opportunity to come out of it, you know, so um, that, that's the confidence that we should have, and I know it's, it's going to be a, it's a tough hill to climb up, but we still have an opportunity to um, you know, play good basketball and, and, and play the best basketball of the series in game three. Yeah, the outside noise, the outside noise. We're the Denver Nuggets. We're used to, we're used to that. We used to, even when we win, they talk about the other team. We beat the Clippers in the bubble, they talk about the other team. You know, same as same old, same old. It just fuels us a little more, and um, it'll be sweeter when we win the chip. You win game one of the playoffs, and all everybody talked about was the Lakers. Let's be honest. That was a national narrative was, hey, the Lakers are fine. They're down 1-0, but they figured something out. No one talked about Nikola just had a historic performance. He's got 13 triple-doubles now, third all-time. What he's doing is just incredible, but the narrative wasn't about the Nuggets. The narrative wasn't about Nikola. The narrative is about the Lakers and their adjustments. So, you know, you put that in your pipe, you smoke it, and you come back, and you know what? We're going to go up 2-0. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> put that in your pipe and smoke it. Mike Malone, he's real. That's a G right there. I love that. <laughs> yes, those were bars. Those were bars. And I'm here today yes. with Kato. Welcome. Let's get into it, because I know you have bars to yes. drop in. Man, last night. I mean, game, this this game was so much fun. I mean, it was special, right? Like it was. I was like, oh, the Lakers are going to pull it off, but the Nuggets keep hanging around. And look, I was definitely someone who was on Twitter, like, because everyone's like tweeting in the first half, like, mm. let's go Jamal Murray. Like, what is he doing? Right? There's like a large focus on him, and I'm just like, man, come mm. on, like, shoot them out the game. What is he doing? And then right. Jamal Murray just went crazy in the fourth in the fourth quarter. But I mean, listen, like I said, I love what Mike Malone had to say. And mm-hmm. he's accurate and he is correct. Like I do think yeah. that was the media narrative. And uh, you know, we haven't been doing that. Maybe he's not counting PFA as the, as the national media. <laughs> Y'all been doing your jobs. You've been doing your jobs. That's right. That's right. But we we have, and particularly because, I mean, Michael Holly and Michael Smith are both really big fans of Jokic. But just in general, we've, mm. in the last few days, done nothing but talk about, you know, Denver Nuggets and what they've been doing. And, you know, it's right. been incredible to watch. And they have been underrated. And there was a lot of talk about, oh, you know, like... Denver figured something, not Denver, the, the, you know, the uh, Lakers. Lakers. Mm-hmm. Yes, there you go. The Lakers figured something out, you know, and yep. I was just like, okay, but whatever, like they won. So they got the yeah. W like the same way the Lakers figured something out. The Nuggets can go and look at tape and make their own adjustments. So I like this spiciness from the Nuggets and their coach. Mm-hmm. 
like that they are just being defiant. I like it, you know, and, and some people didn't like too. small Murray had to say. Some thought it's poking the bear. I'm so tired of hearing that. Like, Zena, you're 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 a former player. So tell me, like mm-hmm. do you when you're a player, do you operate like that in terms of oh, don't poke the bear, don't say anything, or like are you confident no. in what you do? It depends. There's, I, I would say that there's difference between ballers with hard ER or ballers. And I think that when you're a baller and you just, you play ball and it means and you're competitive and you've got players like a Jamal Murray, who's incredibly competitive, who has said in the media before that they have ignored him, that they have, un, like they have wrote him off as, um, you know, a specialist or maybe a, just a playoff player. Right. And obviously trying to come back from his injury. He had a lot to prove, but he's a baller. Like he's someone that is cutthroat. He is someone that will be aggressive. And I've, Never seen anyone do such a great job of adjusting. It's funny, I I was just seeing that Taylor Rooks retweeted an interview that she did with him a year or so ago um, where he talked about halftime adjustments. And we literally saw Jamal Murray adjust his shooting slump in game, right? We're talking about trying to ask players to to fix their shooting slump over the course of a series. He did that in game. Um, Yeah. 23 points in the fourth quarter was unreal. And, you know, speaking of poking the bear, no, he is not worried about that. And that's what uh, Mike Malone was talking about. Uh, Focus on what you can do. Focus on what you can contribute, right? You're not just a scorer. Think about how your defense can contribute to your ability to score. Think about how your intensity on the court in general on both sides can contribute. And so ain't nobody worried about poking the bear. They're trying to win a championship. They're trying to win a conference finals for the first time and get to the finals. And so I appreciate that. Let's go, Jamal Murray. Show him what you're made of because a lot of people did sleep on him. Yeah, and you know, Murray and and, and Jokic are great in their own right. Like, I get it. It's LeBron James on the other side of the court and Anthony Davis, both champions. But, and I think what Anthony, Anthony Davis, in addition to LeBron, they're top 75 players, right? But of all mm. time, but Jokic has, is a two-time MVP, right? And Jamal Murray, his career, um, you know, it was like interrupted because of injury. Right, and I was going to say, yep. like, bubble Jamal, but this might, it's not a bubble Jamal. Like he is putting on and what he did, Correct. what he did in the fourth quarter. And let's not just like ignore Jokic, but the two of them as a duo, they're pretty amazing, Mm. right? Like they're amazing what they're doing. And I would say right now they're outplaying the duo of LeBron and, and uh, Anthony Davis. And I think that we got to call that out, right? Like Jokic is the best player in this series and has been performing like the best player in this series. And even though you look at last night and think it was a quiet night for him, he still had like a triple double. He moved up to third in the all time list. And and so um, he's been incredible. And Mm -hmm. um, you just gotta give both Jokic and Jamal credit. 1,000%. And that's what is so powerful about the Denver Nuggets is that they just have so many options and they all are playing within themselves, right? They're not trying to force shots and they're not trying to do things that aren't characteristic to to their game because they're so uh, stacked across their, their roster and particularly around their starting five. They don't have to do too much. 
right? Jamal Murray can get hot and he can go go off the way he did, while Nikola Jokic literally just has a very quiet, efficient triple-double, and he can count on that, and they can count on that. And that's what makes them so dominant and hard to beat is because you can count on that more so than you can count on the AD and LeBron duo going off for what, you know. I, I just still find it fascinating. AD had one three last night. That's one more than LeBron James had, right? Like that, that that's not what you can expect out of the Lakers. But you know, it's funny thinking about putting respect on, you know, the Denver Nuggets. Reminds me of a team we like very much that we're, you know, a little bit privy <laughs> to uh, in their history. And so I want to I want to throw it back on you, like seeing what's going on with the Denver Nuggets and thinking about any team that's on the rise to build a dynasty, right? The Warriors, that's the team we're talking about, folks, in case you weren't, weren't, weren't sure. But thinking about where the Warriors were and how they were treated with the media, with their big three coming up and being solid. I mean, I, I would say it was a very similar storyline. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, there's like an interesting narrative right now with the Nuggets in terms of like them finally arriving and the, you know, we're all giving them mm-hmm. their credit and, you know, they're still underrated. And I, I actually, earlier this week when I hosted with Michael Holly, I had a feed mm-hmm. item that said like they might still be a little underrated, but I pushed back a little bit at this idea. Like, I don't think the hesitance is all based in people not acknowledging that Jokic and Jamal Murray are great players. I don't think that's what it's about. But sure, we have a tendency as people to not want to crown people, players, teams before they've actually accomplished, you know, whatever goal it is that we think they're supposed to accomplish. And so I understand what the Denver Nuggets fans are feeling because Aside from the fact that they're in Denver and it's not like a major market and they already don't get as much attention, like the Warriors did go through something similar in that they were often Mm. doubted. They were often, you know, like, oh, jump shooting team. They're like, they can't go all the way. And then even after Mm -hmm. they won their championship, they were doubted. And so, and we used to take offense to that as fans. So I get it. So I get like, you know, the defensiveness, but I don't think it's all just like disrespect. Like we don't believe in the team. You got to show me, I got to see it. And so push back at that narrative a little bit. Yeah, I think in sports people, they don't like flukes, right? They don't like people that kind of, you just show up at the right time, but you can't make it all the way through. And that's been the narrative, right? That That the Never Nuggets are stacked. They've got all of this talent, yet they cannot find their way to the Western Conference final. So I agree with you. I think that there's less more so disrespect or, or a, you know, a misacknowledgement of the talent on that roster, but it's more so prove yourself, right? You got you to put some numbers up and we'll see what happens. But uh, it's, it's been fun to watch. It, this game, this series has been back and forth, back and forth. At first I was like, oh, all the, all the, I mean, the referees were very involved in both games. Um, we won't get into that conversation, but I was concerned that it would be, you know, entertaining. And game one and game two were both incredibly entertaining. And, you know, if you're if you're the Western Conference final, like a fan thinking, oh, the Warriors, the Lakers, uh, you know, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, the Kings and the Warriors are probably the most fun so far in the West. There was a little bit of, oh, is there going to be a lag? It's been entertaining. And I'm, I'm really, really excited now to see them go back to LA 
because you can't depend on LeBron playing the way he did last night, which wasn't terrible, but it wasn't LeBron. He made some questionable shots. He missed six points at the basket, two in the first quarter, and then that, that last layup uh, in, the, in the fourth, they lost by five. So Denver has figured it out in the sense of they're solid. They've got the team to rally when they need to, to get the points on the board, to get the lead. But it's not a clear-cut win, right? You could easily say that this series could have been 1-1, but we can't live in the coulda, woulda, shouldas. So we'll see what happens when they get back to L.A., but it has been really entertaining. It has. And, you know, Mike Malone made some comments that I found interesting last night because he talked about Jamal Murray sort of figuring it out during the game and basically referring to the fact that there are no specialists in the in the NBA. And so yeah. he had other ways to impact the game. Let's hear what Mike Malone had to say. Michael, for all the talk about Jamal's offense, he had four steals tonight, and I think the last one was a lob that he battered away. Play, yeah. Leads to the Michael Porter Jr. three that puts you up 12. How, how impressive is it to you that even when he's off to a slow start offensively that he still sh- appears to be engaged on the defensive end? Well, he was one of our defensive players of the game, to your point, Vinny. Uh, Ten boards. Um, he had 13 contested shots tonight. He had four steals. But that's what you have to do. Like, there are going to be nights or quarters for Jamal. It could be a quarter. It could be a half. It could be three quarters where your shot's not going. But in the playoffs, you can't be a specialist. Specialists don't play in the playoffs. you got to find a way to impact the game. And he did that tonight. He definitely did that. Who do we have here? Our friend... Dave Dufour from The Athletic. I got two athletic folks with me. I'm so excited. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, Dave, as this series shifts to L.A., like both teams are figuring out what they can do, but you heard what Mike Malone just had to say. Do you think Jamal Murray can take what he did in the game last night? And I don't mean like, okay, he didn't get hot till the fourth, but just impacting the game no matter what Ooh. happens and, and and rebounding and doing what he has to do defensively to help this team and bottle that up and bring it to LA. I mean, I, th- I think so, because it was an effort issue. Game one, they got a big lead. I felt like they took their foot off the gas a little bit. They were giving up that switch for LeBron uh, to get onto Jamal Murray just too easily. It was just, uh, there was no resistance whatsoever. And then Jamal didn't really put up much of a fight, let him go to the basket. Looked like he was just trying to stay on the court, stay out of foul trouble. And then in game two, especially in the second half, I thought when that switch happened, he did a better job of forcing LeBron to at least work. LeBron hit some tough shots over Jamal Murray, but he's supposed to, that's a mismatch. And the idea is Jamal just can't make it, easy for him don't let him waltz to the basket hold him up so the help can come over and I thought he did a better job of that and then of course had four steals so made some bigger plays but they need him to just get going offensively earlier I mean that game two was way closer than it should have been because he was awful until the fourth he closed it out but they need him throughout the game yeah and like Zena earlier I'm not sure if you heard her but she was referring to like mistakes that LeBron made last night and just in general wasn't a great game from Anthony Davis or LeBron James pretty uncharacteristic for LeBron uh but you know I I thought some of it was the legs you know 
age catching up to them. You know, they're playing like really long minutes. You know, everyone, I mean, Jokic, everyone looked tired on the court, not just like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, but um, they were uncharacteristic. So Anthony Davis and LeBron James aren't playing. They didn't play that well yesterday. So what are you expecting as the series shifts back? What we will see from that duo? Well, energy expenditure is something that you have to watch all the time with LeBron James and Anthony Davis in particular. I mean, Anthony Davis put up 40 and was absolutely Mm. all over the place in game one. Game two, he was dead. I think everybody expected that. That up and down thing, you know, no matter what people try to tell you on the internet, that's been true. If you go and watch these games, it's about effort it's how much he can bring with only one day off in between games this is not it's not a knock on him as a player it's just like his body just can't handle this he needs more rest and with LeBron I actually thought defensively he was pretty good for most of the game uh including in pick and roll coverage at the point of attack I thought his hands were very active but he's just got to stop taking these these awful awful threes in the fourth quarter especially i mean you know he in game one he blew an opportunity to get the game closer i thought he had jamal murray he'd been scoring on him at will didn't attack didn't try to get to the line even and i think that was a mistake and, and then of course game three kind of shot him out of it a little bit because he just can't shoot threes he's not a good three-point shooter and especially late in games yeah. he's old the legs are gone you're at yeah. elevation play some basketball don't don't just jack up those shots yeah, LeBron is so good for the volleyball. So I'm I'm wondering why he's not literally just going for that. Uh, I mean, against against the Nuggets. I um towards the, we're talking about. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he took well, some to off. The- like there was that particular. Oh, go ahead, Dave. So the bully ball point, I mean, he can't physically do it every single time. I mean, it's just, there is a point of of diminishing returns with the bully ball, but I just, I do think that end of games in particular, if you've watched what's happened, he probably should start thinking about allowing Austin Reeves to initiate the offense. I thought uh, bringing LeBron as a screener for Austin Reeves really worked well for them, even involving Anthony Davis and some Austin Reeves Mm -hmm. Uh, pick and roll and, and allowing LeBron to be like a secondary sort of creator on the side so that he can save his legs up for those last possessions. Um, the bully ball, he can't do it every possession. This isn't 2015. This isn't, you know, 30 year old LeBron James. So um, they've got to figure this out. And, and I think one of the big moves they've got to figure out is who's going to be that other guard next to Austin Reeves. You know, is D'Lo going to be your guy because you hope he pops on offense and you just live with the defense or is it going to be Dennis Schroeder and you say, hey, Austin Reeves has got to create even more for us now? I, I think that's a bigger question. Do you think the Nuggets can – do you think they can steal a, a, a game? I mean, we know that they have the ability to win on the road. They did it versus the Suns in the last series, but they did have a 2-0 lead in that series, went on the road, their role players didn't play that great, which you you expect sometimes when you you go to the road. But then they came back and won the game six on the road. But DeAndre Ayton was out that night, and and Kevin Durant and Book may have been a little bit out of gas. And they also had a great defensive plan for Kevin Durant. But in this series with the Lakers in crypto, Anthony Davis 
LeBron James, their role players have been showing outside of D'Angelo Russell to this point that someone will step up, whether it's Rui, whether it's Austin Reeves. So do you think they can come back and get back in this series? Or do you think Denver can go in there and maybe steal one of these game threes or game fours? I think just about everybody expects the Lakers to come out strong and probably win game three. I mean, the math checks out when you look at playoff series in the conference finals. I think game three is won by the home team the majority of the time if they're down 0-2. So I expect in game three, the Lakers to get that win. But I think the Nuggets are just playing better basketball right now. Nikola Jokic has been the best player on, you know, in the world for years now, but especially in this series. And I think he can lead them to a road win and they only need to win one they win one on the road and that series is over you know they go back to denver down three one and and that's a wrap for the lakers i just don't see him being able to dig out of that hole and when you think about anthony davis he's gonna have a big game three you know that how big of a game three you know do you want him to put up 40 again knowing that he's not going to be able to come back in game four and match that effort so i think that the lakers have some some serious questions they've got to consider but their defense is amazing I mean, this is a really good basketball team. And I know that, you know, you guys in particular probably don't love the Lakers because you're Warriors fans. But truth is, this is a really good basketball team. They play really good defense. Biggest thing is they've got good vibes. They stay together. So when things get hard, they stay in the game. And that's how they've been in the last two games. And so when you have a team like that, you've got Anthony Davis, who at any time can be the best player on the court. You have LeBron James and all that built-in experience that playoff know-how and toughness that he has and you've got good role players playing at home I mean they could very easily tie this up and win games three and four and take it back to Denver and make this a three-game series so I mean this one of the beauties of this conference finals is that in on both sides it's pretty close I mean the parody is fantastic and we're getting amazing playoff games even the ones that feel like blowouts there's something there that at least makes you think oh the next game it's going to be pretty close yeah, for sure. Well, before we let you go, I just want to know, because I don't know if you had an official prediction for this series, but do you? Well, I, I had Nuggets and six to come in. Okay. I mean, they've been the best team all year. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world, should have won his third straight MVP. And they have continuity that the Lakers just don't have. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, when it gets tight, they have pet plays to go to that – aren't just one guy making it happen. It's five people working together. I mean, basketball is that that communist sport. When everybody's sharing the ball and kind of playing their role, you can find great success. And not to say that the Lakers aren't. I just don't think the Lakers have had the time to build the sort of chemistry that the Nuggets have. And they get to rely on that in crunch time. So I, I still think Nuggets can do this in six. They can even do it in five. I mean, if they win one of these two games in L.A., I can see them closing it out at home. I think that's the one point I'll say. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. No, the one point I'll say about the parity is that level of continuity. Even though that the Lakers are playing really well, I feel like this is an elevated Lakers team as opposed to the Nuggets are playing who they've been all season. So that's mm-hmm. the only difference I'd say. Zena, like I said, I knew she'd bring bras to close us out. Dave, thank you so much. <laughs> we appreciate you. Come back and join us, please. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? 
when we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. BG is back. What I love about having BG back on the floor is that basketball is her safe space. Growing up in Houston, Texas, together alongside my sister, we've followed her careers closely. We've supported each other. And just to have her back, it just means the world to us. Welcome back, BG. One part of BG's game that I wish I had was definitely her capability to dunk at any point in time. Welcome back, BG. What I'm most looking forward to about having BG back on the floor is her dominance in the paint and making everybody else rise up their level of play. We definitely missed her. Welcome back, BG. There wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think about her and um, pray for her and just her mental health and her well-being. So to see her back on the court right now and just to be able to physically like see her is, is going to be I don't think words will describe the feeling, but um, I'm looking forward most to just giving her a nice hug. BG is back. That's right, baby. BG is back. So is the W. If you don't have gear yet, go get it, y'all. Go support. I mean, I, I one, just let's talk about the classiness of the Sparks are going up against the Mercury tonight. And they took the time in their media day to welcome BG back, their opponent, but also their sister. And that classiness just speaks to the level of the league, but also really gives you the vibe going into this season of just how excited everyone is to be back. There's like this electricity around the season, around the W, around the, 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 the women, around the storylines. Oh, so many storylines. And of course, BG coming back is the biggest. Everyone has been so touched and moved by how poised she's been coming back, how grateful she is to be supported. Uh, the, the Athletic actually just did a story, Chantel Jennings, about the letters that people wrote to her while she was in detainment in Russia and how that kept her going. And you see how her teammates all last season, it wasn't just decals on the court. It wasn't just decals on their jerseys. It was constant Free BG till it's backwards, okay? I mean, there was constant reminders to the president, to the vice president, do whatever you can for our sister. Not for our teammate, not for another player in this league, for our sister. And so I'm so excited for BG to come back. This is, as uh, I think it was Neka that mentioned, this is her safe space. And so yeah. it's just, it's gonna be so dope uh, to, to have that be a big part of this season. 
Yeah, concur. I mean, there's not much more that I can add to this, but I think it's probably going to be incredibly emotional. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm already tearing up just thinking about it. I know. It. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. What to what people seeing her getting back to who she was before, uh, and then also the visit the visual representation of her her dreads being gone, right? So it's like we're we're gonna see the new BG coming back, but we'll remember like what happened and what this means for her. And yeah, it it's it's an emotional uh, return. I don't I don't know if there's many. I'm not sure of how many moments like this in sports you get to see because it is such a unique situation. This is the, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, there's nothing to describe it. So mm-hmm. I can't even imagine, like I said, how emotional it's going to be tonight, but I'm just so happy for her return and looking forward to it. That is going to be the late game tonight at 11 p.m., yep. but there are three other games coming on tonight. Which yeah. one are you to the most? Which game oh. do you want to I, I would say the Liberty and Mystics. And the reason why is because another one of the big headlines uh, within the W is about these new super teams, right? So New York Liberty in the offseason acquired John Paul Jones from the Connecticut Sun, as well as Courtney Vandersloot from uh, the Chicago Sky, um, and already obviously had, um, uh, wow, Sabrina Unescu and Rihanna Stewart from the Storm. So they stacked, stacked all the way up in in, uh, New York. But the Mystics are stacked themselves. They've got some legitimate veterans on that team too that I think could be a dark horse. And a lot of people are saying this on Twitter that they could be a dark horse to win the title or go far at least uh, in the quest for that. So I'm excited to see the hype around the Liberty. How do they actually mesh? Um, How do they actually, you know, show up on this stage together? How has the, the very short off season that they get and get the time to play together in training camp how has that come together to meld so yeah that's probably my signature game for tonight outside of seeing bg what about you yeah i mean it's definitely um bg just because of the return she's making and you know it's gonna be so great like i just there's there's no other game that can like excite me more but you know you mentioned like the liberty and the mystics and the liberty one of the big storylines around them is that they are a super team one of two super Mm -hmm. teams that we have for this season so i don't think it's cool that the w has super teams now maybe because maybe because i am a fan of a team that people once considered a super team, but um, mm. at, in the Warriors, but you know, you have Candace Parker, you know, with the Aces, and then you have the Liberty with their new newly formed team with um, right. Brianna Stewart going there, and it's just going mm-hmm. to be incredible. And I mean, the only thing that's a little weird is that like these two super teams are such a huge storyline of the NBA, and yet one of them has some really some news surrounding it that sort of yeah, uh, yeah. Say overshadows the season but it oh maybe overshadows it's their a cloud yeah it's a cloud it's a dark cloud over it um you saw the wnbpa uh mentioned that they're not satisfied with uh the, the the ruling that came out and just to catch everyone up uh dierica hamby former aces player sixth woman of the year um, and part of the championship team that won last year uh, became pregnant in the offseason and 
accused the uh, the aces of being bullied throughout that process of coming back uh, in her in her her process of being traded. She had no problem with the trade, uh, but she felt like the way that she was communicated to and the way that it went about was not correct. The WNBA, she complained to the WNBA, a formal complaint, and they found through 33 uh, investigative interviews, reviewing texts, emails, uh, and overall conversations with these players, um, that there was fault to be had and the resulting uh, the resulting punishment was two game suspension for Becky Hammond and a 2025 first round draft pick taken away. Now it is interesting that Becky Hammond has since come out and said I had nothing to do with the bullying. Dierica and I have a great relationship. Um, so at this point, it's a he said she said, obviously, or she said she said. Um, but obviously, the, the WNBA found something. And for the WNBPA to come out and say, we have a punishment, but no one's happy, indicates that the W missed their mark, right? The, the new CBA focused on uh, wanting to help player parents. That was a big theme within their, the new CBA. And this ruling, if you're saying a parent, a woman became pregnant and felt bullied as a result of that, that is not reflective of the ideals that the CBA tried to protect and what the right. WNBA tries to protect. So I, I really, it's disappointing to see uh, that neither sides are really satisfied here. And it also is very disappointing to know that this is gonna be looming over their heads. While you've got a championship team that literally barely lost any players and added Candace Parker, right? Yeah. This is, should be a celebration. This should be so much yeah. fun. Uh, we should be celebrating their new facilities and just how much, how elevated yeah. that yeah. whole experience has been for the W. And yet here we are starting the seasons with this, this, this kind of murky, cloudy, um, unfortunate situation around a, a really special team in the W. Yeah, I mean, I just have like two points on this because I want to continue to talk about the other things, you know, great things happening mm -hmm. with the W right now. But I just, I actually am turned off by like Becky Hammond's defiance in this situation. And I, I get right. it that it's your reputation and the Aces put out that statement, which I think is ridiculous. There is a mm -hmm. finding there is a finding. So like, it's not really, she said, she said, because there's a finding, you know? And so, yeah, they, you're right. You're right. They, they found something credible. And like, when she's just like, to my knowledge, I don't think they spoke to this person and that person. It's just like, I conducted investigations for a living. You're not supposed to know Becky, <laughs> you know, mm, like and you're, right, not, right. you're not supposed to ask or inquire either. So I hope that didn't happen, but it's just like, this is a workplace investigation. And I actually thought the language was very soft because it's a little unclear, you know, it's like workplace, you know, respect rules. And it's like, you know, this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. flowery kind yeah. of language, not to really call out essentially bullying or pregnancy discrimination by another woman of another woman. And, and that's a mm -hmm. whole other conversation. Whole other another day. We don't want to like cloud the W being back today, but I just, right. I wasn't I'm not feeling her defiance right now. And then yeah. 
you know, I just want to say shout out to Tiarica. Like, I just want to send her all mm-hmm. the love and all the flowers. Yep. Like, she's Agreed. coming back soon. And she says here, initially, it was about proving the aces wrong. And I had to be like, nah, that's not okay. I need to do it for myself. And so I love that for mm. her. But I'm just so looking forward to her return because this is a lot to go through um, and so much adjustments to make. And so I'm just wishing the best for her and sending her all the love. Ditto. Uh, everything you just said, copy that twice over. Um, I know Dierica from my time at Wake Forest. I helped out their team while I was in grad school, and she is an amazing woman. And to to go against a team and file a formal complaint, knowing what could potentially happen, it's a brave and courageous thing to do. So yes, kudos to her and sending her all the love and support as she goes to, I mean, come back. Now the Sparks are trying to make a run in the West too. Yes. Okay. There's a lot of things, like you said, there's so much going on within the W uh, that is really beneficial for getting this, this league, the, 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 the support it deserves, the visibility it deserves, the financial support it deserves. And I just feel like we're in this midst of what's going to happen to, to bring this W league to the level it deserves to be, to get, uh, I think the respect it needs in order to be supported by the fans, because people forget the league is only a few, like 20 something years old. It's not the NBA, right? It's not right. 75 years. It's not the NFL a hundred plus years. This is a pretty nascent league when you look at it in general. And so it's super exciting, all the changes that they made. So one thing to look at for this season, for example, the expansion of um, all the games. So even this weekend, every team in the W is going to play in this one weekend to start out. You've got 40 games that are going to be broadcasted across so many networks. So if you say you can't find a game, you're making excuses. That's it. You're making excuses. Um, there's there's just so much I'm excited about. Another thing I am thinking that all of this kind of like bleeds into is people are caring that people are getting waived. Yes. I don't know if you've seen Twitter recently, but yes. there have been a lot of announcements about rookies getting waived, uh, about signature players, you could say, people that are not only really great players on the court, but also really great ambassadors for the league off the court getting waived. Uh, there is a crazy, crazy statistic, or uh, uh, I think it was WNBA hoops that... Uh, mentioned it there are 36 draft picks in a season okay 36 36 draft picks since 2012 all the way to 2023 only four years of those draft classes have kept more than nine players out of that nine out of 36 like think about this look at this stat 2023 13 are still here 2022 excuse me 13 are still playing in the league 2020, 2019, 2018. Out of everyone else, they're not on a roster. It's not that they're not starting. They're not on a roster. And so what we're seeing is what we saw recently with Alexis Morris, just came out of LSU, just won a a championship, cut. You saw Bria Beal, came out of uh, South Carolina, has won championships, has an amazing following in the South Carolina game called fan base, cut. You see Didi Richardson, one of the faces of the league, one of the ones that are, are not only ignited the New York Liberty last year, um, but her her Baylor story 
literally almost being paralyzed to coming back within a season to play in the WNBA and play well. Cut. So it's really exposing expansion. We either yeah. need more roster spots or we need a new team or new teams. And that is a whole nother debate because it, it requires conversations about investment and, and you know, all the financial implications of uh, launching new teams or added roster spots. But all I care about is that there is enough attention on the fact that there aren't enough spots, period. Yes. Everything you said and... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love that there's so much focus on women's basketball. I love that there's so much attention right now being given to the W. And I do hate, especially that so many of the young players um, who just got drafted were cut because we just watched the draft and we were so excited. We were cheering for them. And it is right now an unfortunate, you know, circumstance of the W, right? And so, yep. you know, that's why proponents of expansion are saying, look, this is why we need to expand. And we know there's an argument about whether it's the roster, like you said, or whether it's additional mm-hmm. teams. But we know that some form of expansion um, is Correct. necessary. We know that. We right. know that it's necessary. And, um, but until then, just you know, remember to stay off Twitter with your thoughts. I know we get emotional and we get, you know, reactionary, <laughs> but Alexis Morris, just just be careful because, you know, right. the veterans are also still quality players and should still right. be playing. And not all of them. And, you know, WNBA Twitter, we talk about this, like th- that person need to retire and give up their spot. But <laughs> many, many of them should still be playing and they're fighting a hold on right. for their status as well. You know, we're all women. And so we don't need to like go against each other, but the W right. needs to fix this issue. So it's an unfortunate circumstance, but there's so many great names. And I think at some point we will be seeing them on a team. So until then, if you have to go overseas or do what you have to do, it is mm-hmm. all love. Like just continue to support and watch women's basketball but i know we got company waiting so i could talk the w all day with you um we're gonna be we're gonna continue to keep talking the w so for sure for sure stay with us (laughs) have you ever brought your magic to walt disney world like hey we came to play did you tip your tiara to a creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. 
It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Here comes our food. Finally, I'm starving. This isn't what we ordered. It is on the house, courtesy of Jimmy the Butler. I'm giving them to everyone. Who are you talking to? Take it back. But everyone is taking them. Not us. Now be gone. Shoot. You take this L. Hey, get back here. You take this L. Mm, that Jimmy Butler can cook. <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that. But you know, you like that, Siobhan. <laughs> what do you say? He deserves that. So I know right. you like, like that. that. Oh, that's cute. We're just handing him out. Have one, please. listen i think one of my favorite things about the jimmy butler experience right now is all of the (laughs) nicknames and some of them he's had but like uh, we always had jimmy buckets but now it's like the legend of playoff jimmy and it's himmy himmy this himmy that Uh and you know butler Butler did did that like man how do you have so many dope nicknames that is just like one of my favorite things but they are all deserving because this man is putting on a hell of a display Siobhan I mean this is what you expect from him isn't it it is and I think so um Hemi you know Hemi's been coming on a, a bit more the legend of playoff Jimmy Butler might be still a little bit too much the legend part but playoff Jimmy you know we've seen you know genuinely genuinely be a thing since his time in Miami um we're in mm-hmm. the we're in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four years he um had that performance against LeBron and against the Lakers in the bubble um the following year right us and LeBron and the, and the Lakers and them, you know, we had the shortest turnaround, the shortest offseason. And then so the following season didn't look too great. Last season, though, back in the Eastern Conference Finals, this season in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's largely because of the way that that man just elevates his level of play. He has such a reliable game and a, such a reliable skill set um, that enables him to really, really be effective and get to um a lot of areas on the floor that a lot of people kind of shy away from in the today of things. Um, and he's great body control. He's intelligent. He's great put footwork in the post, great pivoting. Uh, he just has really, really all of the fun that he is so incredibly fundamentally sound. You know, he came into the league not being an offensive talent, right? But being a defender and someone who had to pride himself on working hard and working within his body and being composed and all of that stuff. And so he's built himself this really, really um, reliable offensive bag. And towards the end of the season and in playoff mode, you really see him uh, take himself to a different level and expect more of himself. And then therefore, you know, those around him in Miami really, really um, rides with him. And and we all kind of galvanize around the way that he elevates himself. Yeah, that, I was I mean, gonna mention that. Yeah. Just like how that the Miami Dolphins, not Miami Dolphins, the Miami Heat. I used to work for Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. so I do yes. have an affinity to the Miami Heat in that way. But uh, the Miami Heat have a camaraderie. I mean, you look at any of their media, you know, interviews together. They're cracking it up. They're having a great time, etc. And because Hemi Buckets is yes, he is a monster on the court. He's also kind of like a jokester off the court, right? Whether it's on his social media and or him and Tyler Hero or, you know, whatever. He's just always silly. And I've always found it that 
No one ever, even though you said three times out of four years, Eastern Conference Finals, people aren't talking about the Miami Heat like powerhouse in the East, right? And it, it fascinates me that for the four years, it's just been quiet during the regular season. And it always is during the playoffs when Hemi Buckets rises up and, and does what he does, that that's when it's like, oh, the buzz around the heat. But I, I just, I'm so fascinated by this whole underration of their team, <laughs> despite how great they play together and how reliable Jimmy is. Do you, like, where do you think that underrate, like, underrated approach from the media and fans comes from? Underration oh, is a great word, by the way. Hey, <laughs> underration is perfect. That's what it is. No, underation and holleration, okay? Um, I think, okay, I think... <laughs> I like it. It's I think it's multi it's multi pronged. Um, you know, Miami doesn't play a, a flamboyant or, or or splashy style of basketball. They don't have people that you consider superstars. People will fight you tooth and day or tooth and nail, you know, to argue with whether or not they believe Jimmy to be a superstar. And you can have those labels where, you know, if, if you do or or don't want them. But they don't have, you know, just the raw offensive ability. They don't have freakish size. They're not athletic. They don't do anything that jumps off of the screen. They don't really break through the noise until it's time to be about winning. And then when it's really, really time to be about winning, you see them distinguish themselves um, from the field largely time and time and time again. But it is because the way that that organization goes about doing things. You know, you're right. Jimmy is goofy. He's funny. But you have to... I feel like you have to to earn that out of Jimmy. I he he he's someone to me who who must know that he can trust you first. That we are here to do mm. this thing of of playing basketball and I need to feel and appreciate and understand that you can go about it the right way. Um and then you can get jokey Jimmy. You can get him and Max Struess. They flick each other off all the time and it's all love. Like he that he just has, you know, these ways about him but at the very forefront of who he is. He's like psychotic about the about the work of winning and it fits truly mm. with what Miami is about and has been about. You know, they get talked about for the Dwayne years and even those years don't get talked about with the respect counter that they should. And then it's, oh, LeBron, save your franchise. No, it's not. We've been doing these things, you know, kind of mm -hmm. throughout the throughout the course of of the the history of, of the team. So I hope that they continue to to get the respect that they deserve and not on some, you know, real big ego wig braggadocious type of way. But Miami really, really goes about the business of basketball in a professional, in a clean and, you know, very reliable, studyable type of way. They do for sure. I mean, that's why you guys have the hashtag heat culture, which I know you don't always lean into, but oh, girl, um, <laughs> heat culture is a real thing. But another is. Um, kind of underrated or I don't know underlying storyline about this team is all the undrafted players you guys have and yeah. and how you're contributing and I mean like just shout out to your development staff yeah. um like shout out to the 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 people who go out the scouts there you go your scouting scouts, staff yeah shout out to coach Spo who I think is the best coach in the NBA no disrespect to to coach pop so you know um just incredible stuff over at the heat yeah really really well really well run internally right coach coach Spo mm -hmm. started in the video room 
he started as their video coordinator and like worked his way into the the position that he is to to have the trust out of a, a Pat Riley that he has garnered and and maintained throughout the LeBron years and, and kind of the lean years. Um, and and yeah, the the undrafted. When I was at Game Five in Milwaukee, I asked Coach Spo. I said, "How do you?" Gabe Benson is my guy. If y'all don't know, you know you can do your searches. I love Gabe Benson, but there's Gabe, there's Caleb, there's Max. You have Haywood Heisman. You have all these guys. And so I was able to ask Coach Spo, you know, what is it that um, in these moments now, these three and four year undrafted guys, you have this level of confidence and, uh, you know, kind of intentionality and going about things for them, drawing up sets for Gabe, drawing up sets for, for Caleb and Max. And he credited their development program. He said, you know, Gabe has been with us now for four years. He started in the G League. Max started in the G League with us. Caleb is built up the right types of stuff. And so when you're able to keep um, good ingredients in-house, then you're able to, you know, then go up and, and cook it and, and develop it the way that you want and, and have trust in guys who are unheralded and, and you know, whose name might not be known. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know. I, I, I respect ahead, that a lot out of Coach Spo. Yeah, I just respect that a lot out of Coach Spo. And uh, now you can say they were the underation. It's my new word. It's like the, you the know, Mary Jane Lodge hateration. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it really, they are underrated as players. And I think that even Coach Spo has been underrated as a coach. And I remember when he had first started and there was conversations that it was LeBron being the one behind the scenes, coaching that team and, and making the play calls and, and, and having all the influence on those championship teams. And I'm just so happy that he's out. There's no, there's no question about it now. It is yeah. his ability and his his team um, and his leadership that's really brought them to this place. You yeah, know, truly I agree. Like, I know. Oh, I'm sorry, Siobhan. No, I, no, I know, go ahead, Dad. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I know this is something for you. I saw you shaking your head. That's why, you know, because <laughs> we were talking about this the other day, like on Twitter, because I am someone who actually thinks Spoh's always got the respect, but you you don't think so, right? I don't. And I think it's a little bit of, of what Zena said, right? Like when people underestimate what it takes to actually put together in a cohesive way, um, the talent, the egos, the, the, the cachet of player that Miami has been fortunate enough to have play for them. Um, you can't just go throwing things together and expect that them to work. Mm. We've seen Brooklyn, you know, stockpile talent. We've seen Philly for a while collect talent. And just because you have a collection of talent doesn't mean that you're equipped with, uh, you know, making all of the things, do the things that you want them to do at the right time. And, and it's it's interesting because truly the truth of the matter is, um, you know, LeBron definitely had say here, but he didn't have the pool or kind of the cachet or just like the weight that he has been able to kind of flex in Cleveland and, and in L.A. But that is because Miami has been an established place before it was that he arrived here. You can't just come into Pat Riley's house and you know kind of do what it is that you think that you're going to do but I think that you saw um LeBron be the better of it the Miami reap the uh, the rewards for going about their business in that way so I agree I'm, I'm happy that Spo is finally actually getting the recognition that he's getting as a play caller as an in-game adjuster as a motivator right. as someone who instills um even more of the right stuff in, in his guys for right. sure. Crazy thing about Spo, because I want to get one more question before um, we let you go, but that he's never won coach of the year. And that is actually a remarkable wow. um, thing. Seriously. Not in a good way. But look, 
I just want to ask you about the Celtics if you think is going to yeah. happen for for um game two because the, a lot of the narrative has been about like the, the the Celtics playing with their food and it's like their own mistakes but not mm-hmm. about what the Heat have done so what are your thoughts on that and what do you think about game two Again, it's never what the Heat have done. It's always what did the other team do to lose the game. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of expecting what what happened a little bit in the Milwaukee series, right? We won game one, and then Milwaukee kind of came out game two and just shot the lights out from like a, a really, really early standpoint. If that happened tonight, I would not be surprised at all. Um, but I, I think you see now Coach Missoula now having to adjust to some of the adjustments that Coach Broster made, right? In the first half of game one, um, Robert Williams, they were getting incredible kind of just like rim pressure with him just being a lob threat. We adjusted to that. Um, and so I just want to see uh, what what Coach Missoula has up his sleeves. I'm confident in what we have. Um, I know the areas where we can adjust, and I know where I think that they might too as well. Siobhan, thank you so much. Always. So good to see you. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Not the way I expected to be ending the show today. The great Jim Brown has passed away. A legend. Rest in peace. May he rest in peace and be received at the gates. Thanks, y'all, for joining. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.